0: Coming up on Golf Today, Jordan Spieth is back to defend his title at the RBC Heritage, coming off a top-five finish at the Masters last week and looking at a loaded field in South Carolina. Brooke Henderson lifted the Lotte Championship trophy in 2018 and again in 2019. The LPGA back in Hawaii this week. We'll take a look at that field. And major champion Georgia Hall joins the show talking Lotte as well as the upcoming International Crown to be played next month at TPC Harding Park.
1: Golf Today.
0: On Sunday John Rahm won the Masters tournament by four shots over Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepka. 11 career victories on tour now for Rahm second major championship and is the 18th player to win the Masters and the U.S. Open and he was in South Carolina today for the RBC Heritage. The now two time major champion playing in the RBC Heritage at Harbortown Golf Links a designated event in 2023 which is why the field is stacked. Rahm is there, Homa, Burns, Hovland, Colin Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay. More on him coming up later in the show. Xander Schauffele, and as mentioned, Jordan Spieth, who is the defending champion. And with that, welcome into Golf Today. Wit Watson, Matt Adams, Paige McKenzie today as the tour goes from Georgia to South Carolina the week after the Masters, and you know, Matt, typically this is kind of a, a rest and relaxation week for the yeah. PGA Tour. It's kind of like a a casual trip to the coast after the pressure cooker of Augusta. But that field is no joke and this is gonna be a little bit different vibe this week.
2: You know, it's funny, as as you mentioned that it's it's a chance to kind of get air in the lungs normally because it's the calm after the storm the storm being the frenzy that is a major championship week the storm this year was also quite literal in that regard but because it is that designated event because you just showed us video of John Rahm being on site and I have to ask you a question can John Rahm be the Hale Irwin of 2023 and can he win after a major championship win That's a great question. If anybody can do it, he can. I'm not really sure off the top of my head what
0: his history is at this golf course, but it's at this point, he's the hottest player on the planet. And if anybody can keep it together mentally for two weeks in a row, it's John Rahm.
2: It's the case of keeping it together mentally, isn't it? Because what we're talking about here is likely going to be a fatigue factor from these players, both mentally and physically and with John Rahm, maybe even emotionally. So, Paige, what do you think about all of this? What are your opening thoughts uh, on this Tuesday?
3: I think this is just one more example of how the cadence of this season has changed so dramatically with the designated events. You could have gone back to the waste management or WM Phoenix open back to back with Genesis and see the same type of thing where you're seeing players that typically don't tee it up. Uh, we get a chance to see them on golf courses that maybe they haven't played in quite some time uh, and learning uh, relearning for some of these players on how to play back to back weeks where they normally would have taken it off. So to me, I'm reiterating the same thoughts that you both provided, and that is that the, the cadence of this tour has changed. I as a fan love it as a player man, that's some new challenges for them.
2: And we'll be touching on those points coming up in just a little bit, too. Plus, it's a very different style of golf this week. It's very much about what you can do with a wedge in hand. Now, flashback to this week, last year, at this event, the RBC Heritage, Jordan Spieth started the final round, three shots off the lead, but would eventually beat Patrick Cantlay on the first hole of a playoff to victory. It was Jordan's 13th career victory on the PGA Tour Speeth is PGA Tour record since that time. There you can see it. 11 starts. He has four top tens. He has one top five uh, from a 22 to 23 by comparison. Three in 23. Two missed cuts in both efforts. Now, with more, we our defending champion, we say hello to our very own Kira K. Dixon, who is on site. Kira, how are you?
4: I'm doing great. I've got my plaid on for the week. I feel uh, very apropos for the theme. They love their plaid out here at the RBC Heritage and someone else that had a plaid jacket on today in the opening ceremony was Jordan Spieth. Now he is on quite the stretch of golf guys. He's played nine out of the last 11 weeks on the PGA Tour since the AT&T pro Am. He's notched four top six finishes in that stretch. And yesterday he made the two hour and 38 minute drive from Augusta, Georgia to Hilton Head Island here in South Carolina, and I spoke with him earlier about what he remembers most about last year, his win at the RBC Heritage, and what he'll remember most about the 2023 Masters Tournament.
5: Well, I guess the run on Sunday, you know, it was a lot of fun. I played with Phil and we both, I think there was like 17 or 18 birdies between the two of us. So it was just um, one of those kind of memorable rounds out there that, you know, goes into a small group of kind of some of the coolest rounds to play so I wish it had finished a little bit differently but all in all it was um, it was what I knew I had in me. I just kind of left a few out there the first few rounds and then finally got it all together on Sunday.
4: Well fast forward to now this week another week on the PGA Tour. You're the defending champion uh, one last year in a playoff over Patrick Cantlay. What do you recall most about that experience here at Harbortown last year?
5: Well, it was probably the most unexpected win I've ever had. I I just tried to kind of hang in there knowing that this golf course, it was windy the last round and it was going to get harder and harder. I I didn't really feel like I was in it a whole lot until the last few holes. And I remember hitting a nine iron and making a really nice putt on the last that I thought was the only way I'd have an outside chance. And then, um, turns out I, I waited a while and ended up in a playoff and I remember getting into the, to the tee and not really being nervous like I would normally be in a playoff because I didn't really expect to be there, and I thought this is a cool opportunity. And, you know, we both hit it in the front bunker, and I, I got the better break of the two and, and was able to take advantage of it.
4: Guys, one of my favorite quotes from Jordan Spieth last year after he won here was he said that I won this golf tournament without my putter. Last year he was 156th in strokes gained putting and he said that he was really searching for something at the time. He was extremely uncomfortable. Fast forward to this year, he's currently ranked 76th in strokes gained putting and he told me he's feeling much more confident and that he feels like he's gaining every single week. Now, Jordan Spieth will be teeing it up this week on Thursday with fellow Masters champion Adam Scott. And the most recent Masters champion, John Rahm, who is right behind me, practicing here at Harbortown. Uh- John Rahm is on property, and I I spoke with him earlier when he was practicing on the putting green. He seemed in very high spirits. Uh, His caddy, Adam Hayes, with him as well. And they were trying to get their practice in, uh, but they kept on getting interrupted by the copious amount of players and caddies, agents, uh, club reps. Anybody and everybody wanted to come up and offer their congratulations to John Rahm. Uh, When I spoke with Adam Hayes, he said that the night after winning the Masters tournament was an incredible evening he got to attend dinner uh, with John Rom and his wife Kelly uh, with the Augusta National membership. He stayed up until about midnight with them and then he couldn't sleep so he found some other friends to hang out with till about 2:30. still couldn't sleep and was up just thinking about the tournament till about four in the morning uh, and then had to get up at 6 in the morning to, to continue on his way and to, to leave Augusta National. So uh, a bit of adrenaline I would say for Adam Hayes coming off that win at the masters tournament but guys it's back to business as usual. Uh, even the Masters champion has to practice his five-footers out here.
0: Kira, thanks very much. That's and that great. definitely uh, definitely speaks to the mental aspect of this, doesn't it? How much oh, is he going to have left in the tank? And everybody and their brother is coming over to say congratulations. I'd love to know the over-under on how many text messages John Rom has received in the last 40 years. Very, hours. very good question. Thousands, right? It has, has to be thousands. Yeah. yeah. First-round grouping, well, they're not uh, selling the spectators short, are they? John Rahm, Jordan Spieth, and Adam Scott, Masters champions all, and they are all playing together. So going back and looking at Jordan Spieth's recent record, T4 at the Masters, he was T3 at Valspar, he was T19 at Players, and that was with a 75 in the second round. He's been... Rounding back into form, but it seems like the pattern, Matt, is that there's always one bad round. There's a 75 thrown in there in the second or third round right. with speed. What are your expectations this week for him?
2: Well, what's interesting with Jordan Spieth is is you saw the chart that we compared last year to this year, and it had the two missed cuts in there. If you look at what he has done so far just this calendar year in nine events played, now remember, he had two missed cuts in there, which I averaged out to a 70th place finish for this. His average finish has been 31st place. But in an increasingly almost Jordan-like Pattern. Four of them, as you just heard, have been top six finishes, including that highlighted finish, which is the tie for fourth at the Masters, rightfully so. So it's very interesting with with Jordan Spieth that not only does he seem to have that round that gets away in every round that he plays, he seems to have a hole or more that gets away. And I'm talking about. Double bogey, sometimes a triple bogey that, that will happen with Jordan Spieth. Now, more recently, immediately following the Masters, he said it was because of a mental fatigue that he was somewhat losing focus. But this seems to be a pattern that goes back some distance with Jordan. Now, having said all that, Wit. Honestly, it's part of the reason that makes Jordan so exciting to watch because he can have that hole that might be a double bogey or even a triple bogey, or maybe he misses a putt that's inside of two feet, and then he goes on a tear and he does Jordan-like things. Maybe it's making a putt from 30 or 40 or 50 feet uh, that that is him. He, he is one of the most dynamic players, and I think he contributes to why he's such a fan favorite, and then he knocks on the door. Yeah.
0: 76-66 on the weekend at Augusta National. That's quite the roller coaster ride, a 10-shot swing. And you think about, as he said uh, in speaking to Kara, just a couple of more shots here or there in the first couple of days. Now, granted, he was five shots off the lead when all was said and done, but. Shot here or there, and it could have been a much different week for him.
2: Yeah, I mean, you, you look at what he did on Thursday when he didn't lay up on 13 and hit it into Ray's Creek. You could go through easily and pick two or three holes and have him even with John Rahm. Now, yeah. I know that's unfair because you could, you could basically do that with any player, but we're talking about Jordan Spieth, and it was just a few things where you were able to question a decision that he made, and I'm saying that with confidence because he admitted that as much. So, Paige, I'm curious what you thought with what you saw from Jordan Spieth, not only at the Masters, but how that will relate to and reflect to what happens in the coming weeks.
3: You know, I I just think back on where we were a couple of years ago whether it was the concerns with the driver, whether it was the concerns with the putter last season. I think Kira made a great point in how poor he putted not only in this week last year, even though he went on to win, but over overall in the season. And he's just managed to clean up some of the, the worst parts of his games over the last couple of years. And I think that to me is when I'm looking at Jordan Spieth, there's new plateaus being met. Uh, When you think back in the driver struggles he had a couple years ago right now, uh, sitting in positive strokes gain off of the tee. That is quite the accomplishment considering where we were just a couple of years ago. The same goes with the putting where he was so negative in strokes gain, now in in the positive territory once again. So when I look at Jordan Spieth, I'm looking at a more complete. And even though you're mentioning some of these inconsistencies, I just don't feel like the lows are quite as low as before. We're sitting there talking about how what could have been, which means there's there's serious faith in where we see uh, the future of Jordan Spieth. So for that reason, I'm extremely positive on what I expect from Jordan Spieth, not only this week, but moving forward.
2: Yeah, I think that's a very fair observation, particularly coming off a tie for fourth at the Masters, as as Witt, you just noted, in the manner that he did it. Yeah, I'm
0: just looking at some of the putting stats from the Masters and from his season in general. And I think Paige's point is is well taken. He's been, remember, he built that reputation as being a guy that made the 20 footer when he had to make it. He was, at one point, considered to be the best long range putter on the PGA Tour.
2: And then he got to a point where you'd almost rather see him putting from that distance than from three or four feet. Well that was the thing. You said he got he got the reputation of being the greatest longer putter on tour. He actually had the reputation of being the greatest Putter and I always used to paw, pause and scratch my head when you think about that because if you looked at his stats from inside of 10 feet, he wasn't even average on the PGA tour. Right. So there are some very positive signs, but I've been teasing you with it throughout the course of this conversation where Jordan was talking about maybe playing too much golf. Here are his comments after the Masters. Is
5: it talk something about- you realized this week playing too much golf or during the? Sure. Yeah, I started to kind of realize it. Uh, I would say this week a little bit of match play, and it's just it was more than I've really ever played in that stretch. But I, no regrets. I didn't know, um, but I would I would attest some of my decision making and and just to a level of focus that I wish that I had a little bit more of. And and if I'm trying to pinpoint it, it seems like um, I don't remember the last time I tried to peak on my eighth out of ten weeks in a row. I don't remember ever having that. So. yeah, like I said, this is a year that's a bridge year for us on the PGA Tour, so I wanted I want to keep playing the the elevated events as well as the other events that I really love to play. And so I knew that was gonna happen this year, but um, it, it should be decided for me in the future, I, I uh, which would be a good thing.
2: So just like Paige was telling us from a fan's perspective, yeah. It is great, these designated events. We get to see the best in the world a lot more often, but there is no rest for the weary. Just take a look at this chart where here we are, RBC Heritage this week. And from there, uh, Wells Fargo is right around the corner, the PGA Championship, the Memorial, the U.S. Open. Remember that between the Memorial and the U.S. Open, RBC Canadian Open, so a lot of people like to play there. U.S. Opens in L.A., then they come back across the continent to play at the Travelers Championship in Hartford. The Open, it, you can see it in slotted in after the Travelers. Remember the Scottish Open is before that, a co-sanctioned event, and many of the players like to go over there to get acclimated in advance. The Wyndham Championship is before the playoffs, your last chance to get in. Uh, there may be multiple players that need that opportunity, so with it is a pack. Schedule. There's not a lot of seats at the table, and this is something that you can understand. Again, I'm not making excuses for players because they have the, the a dream life, right? They're playing golf for a living, but this, this is a lot. And
0: these designated events throw a new wrench into how a player decides to schedule himself on the PGA Tour, right? What you're seeing this week with the RBC Heritage being a designated event is the same thing that they're doing with the Travelers. They're trying to protect the event that comes after a major where traditionally the players don't attend in numbers as they would other events so that's great it's more money but now the player has to decide do I skip a designated event Rory McIlroy has already withdrawn this week from Hilton head for reasons not given Mm -hmm. so this is the new PGA tour is learning how to navigate this schedule I can bring page back in here and I know that uh, you and I were talking about this prior to the show page about managing Mm -hmm. a schedule as a professional golfer you've had to do it. Over the years, it really does change the dynamic on the PGA Tour, doesn't it?
3: I, I mean, I feel like some of these players are learning how to be a rookie again, almost. You heard Jordan talking about managing maybe energy or focus. Uh, that's probably not a topic that he has to has had to focus on over the last several years. But because the schedule is more dictated to him rather than him choosing and picking exactly how he's feeling, uh, it certainly can change that. And Whit, you made this observation before that it's been kind of a story of maybe just one round. Jordan Spieth alluded to it. Maybe it's a lack of focus. But when you look at his scoring average by round this season, something very interesting pops up. First two rounds in great shape. In fact, top 25 on the PGA Tour through round one and two in his scoring average. Round three and four, a slightly different story. Ranked 177th and ranked 70th on the weekend that moving day is moving backwards for jordan speed so far this season now rel- still relatively small sample size there's still room for that to change but that third round and this this is the point that i found to be most interesting his third round putting average is a full two shots higher than that of his first so it's it's almost like you can exactly pinpoint what's going on in that third round uh, that's causing him to fall down the leaderboard rather than move up the leaderboard. And there is one other stat that I found to be interesting that is dovetails nicely with these four round scoring averages, and that is final round performance, which is effectively how a player climbs or falls on the leaderboard in that final day. Right now, Jordan Spieth is four for eight, 50% in climbing the leaderboard. That's 111th on the PGA Tour. He was in the top 20 on the PGA Tour last season. Tony Finau leads the way at 89% last season to give you an idea of what the high-water mark would be. So 50% substandard for Jordan Spieth as it relates to figuring out how to perform on Sunday to charge the leaderboard.
2: It's fascinating because it could be a physical manifestation of exactly what we're talking about that Jordan Spieth is saying He is just mentally fatigued. Now, bear in mind, this is Jordan Spieth, who's a pretty honest guy and tells the world what he's thinking. It may not be only Jordan Spieth. It's something that we'll have to keep an eye on. We'll have more with uh, Paige McKenzie in just a moment. But first, when Golf Today continues, we're going to Hawaii to check in on the LPGA Tour. Brooke Henderson headlines the field at this week's Lotte Championship, an event she's won twice. Paige McKenzie is back then to handicap her chances when we return.
1: Golf Central Update, brought to you by Callaway Golf.
2: Welcome back to Golf Today. The LPGA Tour is in Hawaii this week for the Lotte Championship. You can catch first round coverage tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on Golf Channel. Now, notables in the field. There you can see some pretty big names uh, in the world of the LPGA and women's golf around the globe, including a two-time champion in Brooke Henderson.
0: Back in 2018, it was her sixth career LPGA Tour title at the time when she won the Lotte Championship by four shots, a 69 in the final round under some windy conditions to secure that win. And then in 2019, she would back it up by winning by four shots again. And that was the eighth win of her career and a milestone as it tied her with Mike Weir Sandra Post and George Knudsen as the Canadians with the most wins on the PGA or LPGA Tour. So Henderson's record at this event in Hawaii had the WD last year. But again, the two wins 2018-2019, a couple of top 11 finishes prior to that. Seems like it's an obvious fact that she will be a player to watch this week at Lote, but let's Handicap her chances and the rest of the field as we once again bring in Paige McKenzie.
3: Yeah, and it was interesting. Some of those finishes across different golf courses as this tournament has moved around to different golf courses in Hawaii. So you must, must wonder, it's not just the golf course, it's the golf course conditions that Brooke Henderson seems to thrive in. And when you think Hawaii, you always think wind. And when I think Brooke Henderson, he's I know she's the, one of the best ball strikers on the LPGA Tour, which I think contributes to her success here. There was one outstanding question mark last year, though, when we began the year in 2022, is how would she adjust to the driver uh, length change. She was one of the very few players across both PGA and LPGA tour that used a 48 inch driver. And when that was put into place, I wondered how would that affect her moving from 48 to 46 inches. So I took a deep dive back and looked at where her driving distance was over the last several years to see if it impacted how Brooke Henderson performed off of the tee. And you'll notice between 2017 and 18, she gained nearly five yards off the tee. Picked up another four yards between 2018 and 2019 2020 I am omitted strictly due to the fact she didn't have a very large sample size but also picked up another two yards between 2019 and 21 and of course when the driving dis- or when the uh, driver restriction was put into play you can see she actually lost seven yards between 2021 and last season. She went on to win two events in 2022, including the Evian, another major championship. So clearly didn't struggle all that much with her golf game, which leads me to say that not only did she lose distance, she actually picked up accuracy. This is the total driving rank on the LPGA Tour, which combines the rank of your driving distance as well as the rank of your driving accuracy. And even though she lost seven yards off the tee, she picked up enough accuracy to maintain the top position on the LPGA Tour in total driving, Uh, again, returning to where she was in 2018. But as you can see, throughout her entire career, the driver has been such a weapon for Brooke Henderson, which is, I think, part of the reason why she's had success in windy conditions in Hawaii. Add that with the fact that her career greens and regulation percentage, career, guys, average, over 75% greens and regulation. So, tremendous ball striker, which I think contributes to why she is successful in Hawaii in often windy conditions.
1: So,
0: drive it straight, drive it long, and hit greens. That's the secret.
3: (laughs) I mean, it's a pretty simple formula.
0: It really is, (laughs) and uh, and she's mastered it. (laughs) Paige, thanks very much. We're going to take a look at the race to the CME Globe as we approach the first major championship on the LPGA schedule coming at Chevron. And Céline Boutier leads the way with Jin Young-Ko and Georgia Hall. You're going to hear from Georgia Hall later in the show. Nelly Korda right there at number four. Charlie Hall and Georgia Hall, teammates on the British International Crown squad. And we'll tell you more about that later in the program. When we come back on golf today, you'll hear from Patrick Cantlay. He's facing some heat over slow play at the Masters, plus some historical trends at the RBC Heritage as the PGA tour moves to the low country this week.
6: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day or see what life's like under the tree of life? Did you, if you could, would you? When we come through, It's true magic, because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort.
1: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well.
2: Welcome back the opening ceremony of the 2023 RBC Heritage. That's defending champion Jordan Spieth. Witt, I'm telling you, it looks like every year people suddenly realize how loud a cannon is when it goes off.
0: <laughs> I always think of the time that Nick Faldo just came out of his skin when they <laughs> fired that cannon next to him. PGA TOUR is back in South Carolina for the RBC Heritage. Live first-round coverage coming your way Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. And for more on what to expect this week and some after effects from the Masters, we will once again say hello to Kira K. Dixon.
4: Well, guys, I was actually standing there when Jordan Spieth took that shot with the cannon, and it was very loud. Someone who would like to be able to take that ceremonial shot next year is Patrick Cantlay. He also made the trek here to Hilton Head Island after the Masters Tournament. He was asked earlier today about his energy levels, and he said that with the weather that they had last week at the Masters and just the general demands of the Masters Tournament, he's definitely feeling a little bit more tired than usual, but he took the day off yesterday, and he's feeling ready to tee it up this week at a place where he's traditionally done very well. Uh, He came oh so close to winning the tournament here last year. He ultimately fell in a playoff to Jordan Spieth. But we discussed the experience that he had here last year, as well as his experience at the 2023 Masters Tournament.
7: Yeah, it was a a long week with lots of restarts. Uh, We've had a lot of those this year. and, you know, I think I'll definitely remember the, the rain and the weather that we had. We don't usually get uh, that extreme weather at Augusta, uh, but it was a good week. You know, I hit a lot of really nice shots. I didn't putt as well as I would have liked, but another good, um, you know, experience. And I'll draw on that in the future.
4: Mm-hmm. Um, at the end of the tournament, Brooks Kepka made some comments regarding pace of play um, in, in your group. Did you see those comments and what was pace of play like from your perspective?
7: Yeah, I heard about him. Um, you know, we got on the second tee, and there was the group in front of us was on the second tee when we got there, um, and the final group was there when we were on the second tee, and our group waited all day. So our group waited in 15 fairway, our group waited in 18 fairway. So I think it was slow for everyone.
4: All right, let's shift perspective to Harbertown this week. Uh, last year, you ended up in a playoff with Jordan Spieth. You've had four top tens and five appearances here. So seemingly, you really like this place. Why do you play so well here?
7: I think it's a golf course that uh, makes you play position golf. and You really have to control your golf ball off the tee. Uh, sometimes being in even in the left or right side of the fairway isn't the spot to be. You need to be in the right or left side of the fairway. Mm-hmm. And so it's a golf course I really enjoy and it, it demands precision.
4: And as far as this being a designated event coming off of a major championship, um, does that change anything for you? Is Are there higher stakes in terms of how, how you would prepare for this week?
7: Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I feel like I've done good prep work here in the past and You know, I was happy that this was one of the elevated events because it's a week that I always play and and a golf course that I really like.
4: Well guys, regarding the comments that Brooks Kepka made after his round on Sunday uh, when it came to pace of play being slow, in his opinion, in the group in front of him, uh, Patrick Cantlay reiterated to the media that he believed that it was slow for everybody, that he waited on several tee boxes. He waited in 15 fairway, 18 fairway, etc. And he said that when things get difficult at Augusta National, when whole locations are in difficult slopes, when the greens get incredibly fast, that the pace of play slows down for everyone.
2: Kira, thank you very much. Uh, reporting for us live from the RBC Heritage. So, Witt, I'm curious, what is your reaction to what you just heard? What's your gut instinct? I thought that Brooks Kepka was affected by the pace of play on
0: Sunday more than John Rom was. I think that Kepka and Rom are both fast players. Rom seemed to have better control of himself and not let it get to him. I would like to go back and look at the video and see if indeed Cantlay and Hovland were waiting. On every shot as Patrick Cantlay just uh, related and you and I were talking before the show this has become kind of a social media thing like golf Twitter has too much time on their hands and the pace of play people were screaming about it on social media especially on Sunday there was one uh, tweet from one of the um, the partners at no laying up that got over a million views mm-hmm. talking about how slow the play was and I mean people replying to it were getting 70,000 interactions with the tweet I'm not really sure why there's such a fascination with the pace of play among the fan. Um, As Paige said off-camera earlier today, professional golfers are not slow. Uh, But uh, this seems to have become... A cause now for a lot of fans
2: yeah I think there I think there was a a great level of frustration from people in terms of what they saw what I would say to you is is and I'm not going to relate it to the PGA Tour at this I'm just going to talk about slow players if I go back in my own personal history when I was on the green grass side of the game running courses I have never met a slow player who actually knows that they're (laughs) a slow player I know that sounds really strange they all seem to feel like they're on pace or they're waiting. So what I just heard from Patrick Cantley would seem—you would go, what? How could how could they possibly—like you said, you wanted to go back and see if that was actually the case. Whether it was or wasn't the case, he felt like it was, which I think is kind of a reflection of the problem in mm-hmm. terms of the amount of time. I get that that the— the pins were cut on slopes, as he noted, et cetera. It's, it's Augusta National. I get that the winds were swirling. It's Augusta National. I get that it's a major, and there's a lot of pressure there. All of that contributes to, in his case, being slower. But it was slower than the average of the field, and so that was that was the reason why. You know, I, I just I hear those comments, and I think I think we need to take a closer look at that. <laughs> Maybe go back and review some videotape yeah. before we uh, make that determination. We'll now
0: welcome back in Paige McKenzie to take a look at some of the recent trends of winners at RBC Heritage moving forward. So, Paige, what stands out?
3: Well, I think Patrick Cantlay put it well when he said it's a strategic golf course. It's certainly not a golf course that you can overpower it. And I think that's reflective when you look at the recent past champions and where they stand as it relates to the average PGA Tour player in uh, strokes off of the tee, strokes gained off of the tee. Uh, when you look at the recent history, you'll see that Jordan Spieth, when he won last year, coming into the week, he was ranked 49th on the pga tour and strokes gained off of the t outside of that you've got more people outside the top 100 than inside the top 100 or even inside the top 50 you've got brandon grace back in 2016 but there is not a thread that would suggest that strokes gained off of the t would be beneficial to anybody In trying to win here and that also takes into account positioning uh, when you look at strokes gained off of the tee so it's not just distance but it's also positioning and so for those players looking to or for those people looking to predict a player to play well here you can't really look at strokes gained off of the tee as any sort of indication as somebody that may be successful here
2: well then Paige how about proficiency for players from say 50 to 125 yards out i mean this is this is a week that it's obviously difficult to hit greens with these tiny greens there what can you tell us about uh, that as an indicator
3: yeah i think that's a great point point. and i think that goes back to again strategy as it relates to this golf course not very big greens if you're not hitting in the correct position in the fairway it makes it difficult to hit greens so that's why when i'm evaluating this golf course it actually has incredible company when you consider how difficult these greens are to hit. Check out this from last season. These are the toughest golf courses to hit in greens and regulation. You've got the PGA Championship host in Southern Hills that's at the top, Bay Hill, which traditionally we know can be so difficult, especially with the rough, if you miss the fairway, difficult to advance it. Go to the Country Club for the US Open, that sits third, Mirfield Village, also traditionally one of the more difficult golf courses, masters so this is the kind of company that harbortown keeps as it relates to the difficult and hitting the greens Uh, matt i did a little deep dive trying to find what was the most significant trend in players of the recent winners was it gonna be approach strokes gain approach was it gonna be strokes gain putting was it gonna be strokes gained around the green there wasn't one item that stood out in fact all were had a very similar average across the board but one of the surprises was just that the strokes gain uh, gra- excuse me sto- strokes gained around the greens due to the fact that you're missing so many greens that to me was the most consistent predictor there was a couple outliers But overall, almost every single winner was top 10 in that category. So I would keep an eye on somebody that you know has good short game because they are going to miss greens this week, to your point.
2: Excellent stuff, Paige. Thank you very much. I guess uh, if there is any hope in that, too, uh, compared to the list that you just showed to us, once they get near or on the greens at Harbortown, relatively, they are much flatter than most of those that are on that
7: list. (laughs)
2: Coming up on Golf Today, we've got a major champion on the show. 2018 AIG Women's Open champion Georgia Hall stops by to preview this week's event on the LPGA as well as the International Crown in May.
1: Golf Today.
2: There is a great men's college event underway this week at Pasatiempo with the 76th plane of the Western Intercollegiate. We're leading you into College Central at the bottom of the hour. Second round coverage continues then on Golf Channel at 7 p.m. Eastern Time. So let's get a look at the format of this Western Intercollegiate. There you can see it, 14 teams. It is 54 54-hole stroke play, 6 Players will play five of which will actually count from each round. The lowest three-day total wins individual and team championship. Let's take a look at where we stand right now to the ladder right now. Look at Pepperdine out there with 21 under par. They have a nine-shot lead over Oregon at this point. Remember, the live coverage will be coming up in just a little while. You'll see it, be able to see it right here on Golf Channel. Hello and welcome. Matt Adams, you heard me say, Witt Watson, he's sitting next to me. Pleasure to have his company. We certainly are delighted to have yours as well. We are not done yet, but Witt, we've covered a lot of ground so far. What has struck
0: you? On the topic of Pasatiempo, listening to the passion of Jim Urbina talking about that that particular piece of property and Alistair McKenzie's history. Uh, The question that you asked I thought was excellent. Can you hear McKenzie's voice uh, when you're working on the golf course? I would love to be that passionate about anything in life Uh, he's obviously so committed uh, and and feels so lucky to have these opportunities and it's not just pasa tiempo he's worked on some other fantastic properties but you can tell that he thinks this place that you're about to see in about an hour from now is pretty special
2: yeah it really is pretty special and it's cool that college golf is getting to go to so many of these Mm -hmm. iconic venues and as a result we get to take him in and watch him as fans
0: yeah and uh, this event 76 years old historically has produced some pretty good champions. And and the one surprising thing that you're going to see when the coverage starts, unfortunately, the host school, San Jose State, is about 30 shots out of the lead right now. So what Pepperdine is doing is pretty remarkable. And, again, you have a chance to to view that live in just a little bit.
2: Yeah, uh, we have, again, College Central coming up right after we finish at the bottom of the hour, and we'll take you right into the live coverage
0: and let's turn our attention for the moment to the women's game next month it's the hanwha life plus international crown at tpc harding park in san francisco may 4th to the 7th a team match play competition featuring the best female golfers from the top eight countries across the globe the competition returning to the pga or lpga tour schedule excuse me after 2023 it was last held in 2018 A familiar name you'll see on the Team England squad is 2018 Open champion Georgia Hall, a final round 67 to win by two at Royal and St. Anne's. The victory, her first major and her first win period on the LPGA Tour. Team England looks pretty stacked. Georgia Hall and her good friend Charlie Hall, Jody Ewart Shadoff and Bronte Law making up Team England as those rosters were finalized last week. We're pleased to be joined by Georgia Hall now on Golf Today. And Georgia, we just saw the Team England roster. It's a pretty formidable group of players. How do you like your chances at the International Crown?
8: Yeah, I think um, we have a really strong team. It's the same team as we had um, two or three years ago. And we all know each other really, really well. Uh, Me and Charlie are great friends. So uh, I think um, we've got a lot of chance to do very well in this event. and really excited to be part of it.
2: Georgia, how different is it to compete in a four-person team at the International Crown than say the Solheim Cup? How do you define roles?
8: Yeah, I mean, we don't have no captain in, in the UL Crown. Um, we all make our own decisions, which is can be easy or more difficult, I'm not sure. We'll see how that goes. Um, but it's really nice as well for me just to represent England, my own country, not Great Britain or Europe. Um So, yeah, be very proud that week. Um, And I I think we have our pairings set. I think they may be similar to last time. Um, But it's just really nice to be part of a very small team as well, only four of us. And, you know, I'm sure we'll have dinners nearly every night together and uh, just have a lot of fun.
0: That's an interesting point that I had not considered until you brought it up. There is no captain on a four-person team, but I would assume that somebody kind of becomes the unofficial leader of the four of you do you do you find that to happen in these smaller formats?
8: Yeah I mean it would be interesting especially when we get to the weekend where I think the the final is two singles and a foursome match or four ball match so we'll have to have a bit of discussion about um, who is taking those roles on um, but regarding the pairings I think it's very uh, simple with who we're going to be playing with um, so, when it gets nearer to the time, yeah, it'd be interesting to see who takes that role but, um obviously, me and Charlie are the same age, the youngest and Jodie is is the oldest in the group uh, more kind of experienced so um we'll see i I can't quite name who that that unofficial captain will be yet
2: Georgia, you are already a major champion having won the aig women's open. But the Open that I wanted to ask you about now was the 150th Open at St. Andrews this summer. On that Monday prior, when you were playing alongside of Lee Trevino and Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy and made your way to the 18th tee, only to be joined by Jack Nicklaus, what was that experience like for you?
8: It's been my absolute dream to play with Tiger Woods. Uh, well actually just to meet him but then when i got that phone call uh, a couple weeks prior saying that i am in the that grouping with rory lee and tiger i i'm not gonna lie i had a small tear so (laughs) i was it was just incredible and um what a moment in my career as well and extremely grateful for the rna as well to put me into that group and um I, I spoke to them quite a bit, and they're really friendly, and uh, they actually knew quite a lot about me, which I was very happy to, to learn. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it's just I've already got them framed on my wall uh, at home, so that's says all. Did you
2: know, though, that Jack Nicholas was going to come out in the buggy and join you on that 18th tee and then take photos with you on the Swilkin Bridge?
8: No, not at all. Um, I had no idea. Nick Faldo was in front of me as well. And obviously I was named after kind of um, his situation at the Masters. And yeah, I mean, to have Jack on that bridge as, as well was just, I was just amongst legends. And I just felt so happy and grateful to be there and to be a part of it. And just to have a woman involved in that whole situation and picture for women's golf, I think done it a lot of good.
0: Georgia let me bring you back to this week and the Lotte championship obviously the wind is going to be a factor but give us a scouting report on the conditions and your preparation coming into the week.
8: Yeah, it's uh, like 9.45 here in the morning and it's already a three-club wind. So I think conditions will be very interesting going into tomorrow. Um, I have an afternoon tea time, which I know is going to be windy anyway. Uh, greens are pretty slow, obviously, um, but the course is in great shape. Um, excited to get going. This is the first week of my five-week stretch. Um, and I think it will be very different to next week, our first major of the year. So, um, yeah, it I, it's a bit like Lynx golf for me, um, so I'm not too dissimilar to that and just got to keep the ball down low, basically. Georgia, let
2: me pick up on that, if, if you would allow for a second, where you said it's very different than what next week will be. How, then, are you going to be able to work on any type of shots that you may need to use next week, whether it be around greens or what the way that you're going to flight the ball, et cetera?
8: Yeah, I think this week um, a lot of punch shots, a lot of uh, three-quarter ones to not let the spin um, be affected too much by the wind. Uh, Next week, I think, will be just a lot of normal golf in the U.S., Um, high shots, uh, quicker greens. So obviously on the Monday or Tuesday next week, I'll spend a lot of time on that green because, as I said, the greens are slower here. But, yeah, I mean, I much prefer to play an event before a major. So even though it's a lot different, I just feel a lot more comfortable going into uh, a major championship playing the week prior. So that's my thoughts on um, playing this week.
0: Well, best of luck this week and next. And, Georgia, thanks so much for joining us.
6: Thank you.